Hello and welcome to the Chofugu Podcast. My name is Michael, and today we have very special guest, uh, Johnny Strategy from Spoon and Tamago. Hello, Johnny. Hey, Michael. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't, uh, I don't particularly think I'm good at uh, public speaking, so I, I usually decline these types of requests. But I, uh, I love spoon. I love tofugu, so uh, happy to do it. Excellent. Thank you. Well, we're glad to to get a pretty exclusive talk with you then. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like um, I feel a lot of affinity between spoon and tamago and tofugu. Um, both in our naming conventions are not your normal, you know, you guys aren't Japanese language mm-hmm. blog com or whatever. And yeah. I'm not Japanese design.com either. So, right. We're not like key searchable keyword.com. <laughs> Maybe not the best choices from a search engine optimization perspective, but, uh, yeah. I like them. Good for, good for human, human, uh, perspective, I think. But yeah, we, we're definitely fans of Spoon and Tamago, so we're, we're really glad to have you on and, you know, always glad to, whenever you post anything, it's always like, oh man, where do you find these wonderful things? And makes me, makes me always just want to jump into the photos you share. Um, awesome. Could, could you tell Thank everyone you. a little bit about yourself, just in case um, they're not familiar? Yeah, definitely. So um, my name is Johnny. I run um, Spoon and Tamago, uh, which is a, a design blog and um, also an online shop um, where we share sort of all sorts of Japanese design, architecture, art, um, cultural tidbits, anything that we find awesome um, goes up on the blog. And then sort of as an extension to that, we run a small uh, e-commerce shop where we sell Japanese uh, Japanese little tchotchkes. So mm-hmm. uh, we've been doing it for... Uh, for 10 years now. This is our, our 10th blog anniversary. So, uh, hey, congratulations. Feels like, thank you. Feels like, uh, feels like much longer than that in blogging years. Right. Yeah. One year is about uh, like five years in blogging years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's almost time for us to retire maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope not. Uh, so what, what kind of things I, I've seen the shop a little bit, but, um, are, are there any like tchotchkes that are your favorite on the spoon and tamago shop? Yeah, my um, probably our my favorite and our most popular is this uh, this maze. It's a uh, a print that was done by uh, a man, uh, Mr. Nomura. He made it over 30 years ago, um, and then it's this super complex, um, just sort of like eight mind-numbingly complicated maze um, that he did while he was working. Um, as a janitor um, at a public school, hmm. and he would come home every night and do like small, like two centimeter by two centimeter squares, and then um, it took him like seven years to make it. Wow! And uh, when he was done, he just rolled it up and put it away in his attic, and it <laughs> was forgotten. And then a couple years ago, his daughter discovered it and um, shared it on social media, and we saw it, blogged about it, and. Uh, got a huge response and then we reached out to them to wondering if we could maybe make copies and sell the print and um they agreed and it uh it's become easily our most popular uh item and uh it's just a really amazing piece of artwork and the the story behind it is also great wow yeah it's a great story and yeah an amazing amazing art but 
have you finished the the maze? Has anyone finished it? I've heard from only one person. Wow. Yeah, we've we've sold over uh, two thousand of them, but uh, I've heard from only one person that solved the maze. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think most people buy it for the uh, the graphic quality rather than the uh, <laughs> the activity itself. But, yeah. And then it was actually featured in um, One Punch Man. I don't know if you know that com. The, really. Uh, yeah, the author reached out to us asking if he could use it, um, and we were like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And um, it was featured in the uh, one of the final episodes of season one, where One Punch Man goes into Boros's uh, spaceship, and um, it's just this gigantic maze, and that's that's the maze from our shop and the maze that Mister No More created. That's pretty awesome. So <laughs> yeah, you, had a, you so- had a hand in One Punch Man. It was a it was a it was a proud moment. Yeah, that's that's very awesome. Wow. <laughs> well, um, we actually brought you on the show to talk a little bit about walking tours. Although now, I really just want to sit down and do that maze. Um, one to dis- <laughs> I'm going to buy one to display and one to one to do, um, and I'll be done with it in maybe seven years. Uh, but yeah, uh, I I know that you grew up in Tokyo, right? Yeah, that's right. I um I. Uh, I was born in um, New York, actually. I was born in Brooklyn, and then I moved, not I moved, my parents moved over to Tokyo when I was one. You're, you're and, a one-year-old, um, just, you're like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm off to yeah, see the world. Out, yeah. I had enough of this New York stuff, <laughs> um, which is kind of what my parents did. The, uh, the New York economy, I guess, was pretty poor at the time, and uh, they had always been sort of nomadic travelers, and uh, their neighbors in Brooklyn at the time were Japanese, and when their neighbors went back to Japan, they said, hey, if you ever want to come over, let us know and, you know, we'll show you around. Obviously, they never thought my parents would take them up on that, but mm-hmm. uh, they did. And they they sort of dropped everything. They quit their jobs and moved over and got English teaching jobs in Japan. And mm-hmm. So by the time I sort of had any sort of recollection of anything at all, I was in this Japanese Zyochian growing up surrounded by uh Japanese kids and um never never thought anything of it. Wow. And and how long did you stay there? So I went to I was there from 1 to 18 until I graduated high school. Wow. So like your um, entire childhood experience. Exactly. Um really only went back to the states two or three times for like family reunions and whatnot. Um otherwise it was all all Tokyo. Um in in kindergarten, I transferred over to a, an international school um, called ASIJ, American School in Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, and then after that, I I moved, um, I went over to the states for college, and then I stayed, met my wife, had kids, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. But I, I make um, you know we my family's over there. Well, not my family, my parents retired and moved back but my wife's family is over there and mm-hmm. we travel over um at least two to three times a year both for business but also for pleasure so yeah that's that's sort of a my backstory in a nutshell wow so so you've spent a lot of time in japan you still continue to spend a lot of time in japan and your job yeah. is to find beautiful things from japan yeah and yeah. it's definitely if not my second home, my first home, one of those, I, I feel like um, both New York and Tokyo have become, you know, my first homes. And uh, 
I, I like to go back and forth. Um, but for now, uh, I'm sort of happy in New York, looking at Japan from afar and mm -hmm. making periodic trips over there. Um, when I miss the food or something or other, but, uh, you know, I have two kids and they're in school here in New York and, um, I feel I've, I've always grappled with this, uh, you know, should I raise my kids in Japan or the States, which is better? Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I feel like Japan and Tokyo has really changed, um, since I was growing up there. Um, and this is probably a topic for another time, but mm -hmm. it would probably be possible to give my kids the same experience that I had. And, um, you know, we're happy in New York now, so that's, uh, that's, that's sort of our base. Yeah. Until you decide to move to Japan and then maybe yeah. you could just do one year off and one year on just one year, one year, in New York, one year in Japan. Yeah. It's not hard to would... change, uproot your whole life every year, right? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. We could. Sure, I'm sure the uh, the kids would love that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you do go back to Japan, um, this is this is something that um, I'm really interested in, and I know that everyone who follows you is really interested in, uh, is your recommendations for places to go, places to travel. Um, cause yeah. you, you really kind of are, uh, can I, can I call you an encyclopedia? Is that okay? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't maybe. know. I, I don't know what a, what a better word is, but, um, a great resource for, uh, like architecture and art in Japan. Um, so, uh, that, that's what we want to hear about is like, if, if, if you go to Tokyo, what are your recommended places to go, your walking tours and, um, yeah. you can sort of take us through that. Yeah. Well, it's so hard because there's so much to see in Tokyo. And every time people ask me that question, I'm like, Oh my God, there's this and that. And what are you interested in? I don't have time. And <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, one of my favorite things to do is actually, in the way outer western suburbs of Tokyo, um, Mount Takao. I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh, I haven't been there. So if you're going from Tokyo, you get on the Chuo line, you take that directly out to Takao, you transfer to the Keio line um, and take it to Takao Sanguchi Station. Um, if you're in Shinjuku, you get right on the Keio line, take that directly to Takao Sanguchi Station. Either way, it's like an hour um from central tokyo mm -hmm. um, so really yeah it's a really easy day trip um and it's nice if you've had um you know a lot of concrete and tall skyscrapers in your life to just get out for a little while mm -hmm. um and uh so the first thing that you see when you get to takao sanguchi is this brand new train station designed by ken gokuma who is probably one of the most famous architects in Japan um, at this point. Uh, he just completed the, uh, the new Portland um, Japanese garden extension um, right by you guys. Yeah, I was, just, I was just about to say, I was like, oh yeah, I know that name. He did our, the Japanese garden nearby. He's, um, he's finishing, well, he's not finishing. He's designed the new um, Tokyo Stadium for the 2020 Olympics that's being built right now. Wow. And uh, so this station that he designed, it was a big project. They, the old station was, you know, nothing particularly special about it. It was kind of ugly. Mm -hmm. um, so they brought in Kengo Kuma to redesign it. It opened in April of 
2015. So it's relatively new, um, but it's got this great wooden paneled roof. Um, it sort of like looks like a huge bird spreading its wings. Um, and it's just a great use of wood. And it actually kicked off this trend of wood being used in train stations all around uh, Japan. Um, after this station opened, you had a handful of other stations, you know, try and do the same thing. Togoshi Ginza was one of them, Chiba Station. Um, and now the new Shinagawa Station, um, which is also being designed by Kuma, um, incorporates a lot of wood. So it's, um, it's one of these, these uh, originators of uh, a fad you're going to start seeing a lot of. Wow. So are, are these train stations being... Um... I guess are they they being completely renovated, like knocked down, for lack of a better word? Are they? Some of them are. I think this one Takao Sanguchi was, um, where others are just sort of you know they close off certain sections and mm -hmm. remodel them and then open them back up again. Um, but Kuma said, you know, I have this quote that he that I particularly like. He said the roof here functions as a boundary between the secular world and the holy place. Um, and it sort of sets the stage for uh, what you're heading up to see on Mount Takao. Um, because Mount Takao actually shares the, uh, I think it shares like the same temple or the same god with Mount Fuji. Um, mm. And uh, it's sort of this, this sacred ground. Um, the, big, the big difference, um, obviously you can't compare the hikes. Mount Fuji is a much more... <laughs> Um, strenuous hike um, compared to Mount Takao. Um, but one of the reasons Mount Takao is so popular is because uh, you may know Mount Fuji didn't allow women to climb it until uh, 1912. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it was, um, it was considered holy, you know, sacred ground that only men were allowed to make this pilgrimage to the top. Um, and 1912, I mean, that's pretty recently. Mm -hmm. That is um, recent that yeah so uh that's that's one of the reasons uh mount takao became really popular and i sort of chuckle when i think about it because i'm imagining all these guys uh heading to mount takao because that's where all the women were so maybe mm -hmm. it became one of this, these places where guys savvy guys went to go meet the ladies i don't know yeah meet the ladies on a hike while you're on the hike gonna yeah. go see yeah. the mount fuji god yeah, exactly. And the the Mount Takao is that it, you said that it's less strenuous than Mount Fuji, but is it like kind of a relaxing hike, or is it just like still strenuous but just not Fuji strenuous? It's a much more relaxing hike. Um, kids can do it. Um, you know, you get a lot of elderly folks doing it. Um, it's a pretty easy hike. Um, in fact, there's a cable car that takes you um, almost all the way to the top. Well, that's nice. But one of my uh, one of my big recommendations. Um, right after you get out of Takao Sanguchi Station is um, this museum uh, that's just about 2,000 feet away called the 599 Museum. Um, and you want to take a guess as to what 599 stands for? Um, is it like Goro Oase? Is it like GoQQ? Does that mean it, something? It's actually the, the elevation of Mount oh, Takao. Okay. Yeah, it's 599 meters high. So they named um, this museum after it. And uh, I actually don't know why they make such a big deal out of 
this elevation, it's really not that high. Yeah, um, it's a cool number, I guess. I guess it's a, I guess it's a cool number, yeah. But also like, oh, uh, one more meter and it would have been 600. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing that uh, they do make a big deal about, um, and rightly so, is Mount Takao has um, one of the most largest amounts, um, varieties of vegetation. They have like close to 1,600 different kinds of uh, vegetation. Wow. Uh, and just to put that in perspective, it's about the same as Yakushima, um, the uh, the super, you know, densely forested island, um, which is about 20 times larger than Mount Takao. Um, so they, they share, uh, you know, they almost have the exactly same amount of vegetation, which is pretty amazing. It sounds like um, a place that Miyazaki would like to go because it has so many different kinds of plants. Just so many. If you're into plants, um, vegetation at all, um, it's a really, really special place. And this museum, the 599 Museum, um, it was designed by um, these folks called the Daikoku Design Institute. Um, really beautiful museum and um, signage if you're into that. Um, you know, pay attention to the, the signs for the bathrooms and the elevators. They're really, really nicely done. Um, but basically what, what the museum does is they highlight all this different um, plant life and vegetation. Um, and they have a really cool installation um, by this design studio called WOW um, that highlights um, the different seasons and sort of the different types of plant life you're going to see um, as you make your way along uh, the, uh, the path towards the top of uh, Mount Takao. So you get kind of a guide before you go you out. You do, yeah. So for someone like me who doesn't know a lot about plants, I'm just like, a tree, a bush, I can go in and sort of figure out what I'm going to see before I go see it. Exactly. And it's... Um, it's really great for kids too. If um, if you if you're going with kids, I would definitely recommend it. There's a lot of hands-on um, exhibits and uh, installations, and it's it's actually the museum itself is um, you know just a few minutes away from the train station. So um, definitely head there before you make your way to the top. Wow! So you've got like the beautiful train station and beautiful museum like right next to each other. Yeah, it's a really nice way to begin this um this hike um so once you're once you've done the museum um you know i'd, I'd say head to the cable car where it uh takes you to the top um and once you get to the top um well once you get off the cable car uh you're gonna remember how i was telling you about how mount takao was so rich with plant life Right. Um, well, so one of the reasons is because is its location, um, and it's located sort of right in the middle of Japan, like right smack dab in the middle. Almost, um, it's almost strange how right in the middle it is. Um, wow. So you get cool air like from the north, and this warm air from the south, um, and they sort of meet almost right at the top of Mount um, Mount Takao. So as you're making this walk from the cable car to the summit, if you pay attention, you will notice that on the north side of the path, you have much more greener um, leaves. Um, and on the south side, you have uh, much more light, light green um, 
leaves. And it's because of this, this location that Mount Takao is on, um, where you have this sort of weird, all these different kinds of plant life coming together. So it's like a, a perfect storm, but not a storm. Exactly. It's like a storm of beauty and greens. Yeah, where all this, all these, all the, like everything, all this temperature from the north and from the south come together. And it's like this big party where all these different, uh, all these different plants are dancing together. With. Yeah, that's a better way, better than storm. It's a party, <laughs> a plant party, which might have also plant been a, a Wii game, Nintendo Wii it game sounds, plant party. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, and then, so so keep on walking um, towards the top. Um, another another place I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you stop by is the toilet. Um, it's this really, you know, Japan is pretty famous for their toilets mm -hmm. um, and the uh, sort of the amount of design and thought that goes into public restrooms in particular. Yeah. Um, Definitely this, the this best toilets I've ever been to were in Japan. And not just toilets, but the bathrooms. Like the Ghibli Museum bathroom is really, uh, yeah, just, really nice. Just the best, just the best facilities. <laughs> yeah, and robot restaurant bathroom is not well designed, but it's really crazy and... I actually have not been yet, but yeah. um, it's it's on my list. If you ever of, want to see uh, an all-over pattern of of roses from floor to ceiling <laughs> and all over the toilets as well, that's the place to go. Wow, that definitely sounds like um, something to put on my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this this toilet is not going to wow you as much as probably the the robot restaurant toilet, but um, it was a uh, it was rebuilt sort of. Um, from the ground up in 2012, um, in sort of this cottage style that uh, that was designed to blend into the woods. And um, don't quote me on this, but I think it's one of the only two-story public toilets in Japan. Um, mm. I'm thinking about sort of my experience with public restrooms, and I've never used a two-story public restroom, and I think this is the only one. How is it uh, two stories? So it's like you go in and then there's stairs inside the restroom yeah. to go to a, an upper level. Exactly. And um, before they, you know, redesigned it, there it was sort of notorious for long lines. Um, you could be waiting for a bathroom for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so uh, yeah, one of the uh, kind of objectives time. was to alleviate. Yeah, if you're hiking, you don't want to be waiting on a line to go to the bathroom for an hour. Um, so this is a, it, it's a, it's a really neat bathroom sort of, you know, again, using a lot of wood, um, trying to make it, um, blend into the, the wilderness around it. Um, and it, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the toilet awards. <laughs> I'm not, but I really, really want to know about them right now. So, uh, the Japanese government, um, started, uh, giving out uh, toilet awards um, in 2015. Um, and it was meant, um, it was sort of this like omotenashi um, uh, spree in which they were, you know, trying to appeal to foreigners mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, um, you know, show off their awesome toilets. Um, so this toilet um, on Mount Takao won first prize um, 
in the inaugural Toilet Awards in 2015. Wow. So it's an award-winning bathroom. It's an award-winning bathroom. Um, so definitely cool. stop in, do your business in this award-winning bathroom um, before you continue on to the summit. I feel like people uh, who maybe haven't been to Japan and maybe haven't seen the bathrooms will think like, oh, that's so funny, Toilet Awards. But... If you've seen it's, like some of the bathrooms, it totally makes sense. You're like, yeah, you should definitely have awards for these bathrooms. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a, like the, that's a golden prize award winning toilet for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah, if there wasn't and, awards, there should have been. So I'm glad that there are. There definitely are, um, and I enjoy uh, reading about them every year, seeing all the different cool toilets that are being set up so where do you uh, read about it where where's where's my web address so i can keep up with toilet awards um you know the the government i think i forgot which which branch of the government does it um but uh you just google japan toilet award okay um and probably take you to the the home page um they put out press releases i think i forgot when they announced these awards um but they they put out press releases um, each year and you can see the past winners as well. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, um, I'm going to go check that they out. Should have sure. a, they should have an English page as well, although I'm not positive. Um, we've, we've blogged about some of them too on our, our site. Um, we've, uh, probably spent more time than we need to talking about toilets on our, on our blog, but, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe not enough time, maybe not enough. Yeah. Um, so once you're done with the toilet, um, continue up to the summit. Um, and if you're lucky and the, the weather is good, you're going to be able to see, um, like the Tokyo sky tree and, um, Shinjuku and all these, uh, all these cool Tokyo landmarks that you left behind. Um, so it's kind of cool to, uh, you know, if you haven't done Tokyo yet to start out in Mount Takao and then you know, work your way in. Um, and then on your way down, um, stop by Takao Sanguchi Station again, obviously, but before you get on the train, um, they have an onsen. Um, oh, and this wow. is part of oh, Kengo wow. Kuma's uh, design. He incorporated this onsen um, into, into the station. And it's, anyone can use it. I think it's like 300 yen or... 500 yen. That's super uh, cheap. Super cheap. You can, you know, relax from your hike, which was probably not too strenuous, but um, if it was warm, I'm sure you broke a sweat. Um, yeah, so uh, do that before you get back on the train. And is the, the onsen is in the train station? It's right next to the train station. Okay. Um, but it's part of, it's like part of the same building. Oh man, and is it uh, just as beautiful as the train station? It's just as beautiful. It's designed with that like same Kengokuma style oh my God. wood panel. And uh yeah, just a really cool uh way to end end your day. I just I'm sorry, I'm just kind of like wanting to transport there like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the one thing I really do miss about Japan, um, living in the States is the onsens. Um, yes, definitely, definitely onsen. Uh, yeah, food, you can pretty much get, um, I can pretty much get everything I need in New York. Um, but onsens is one of the things you can't, um, 
So yeah, when you're traveling through, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on onsens again later on, but uh, definitely take advantage of this one because it's right there. If you come so out easy. to Oregon, we have onsen, but they are just holes in the ground in the middle of the forest <laughs> that people just kind of kind of hang around in, and uh, sometimes like people don't. <laughs> sometimes people watch from the woods uh, nearby. It's not quite the same experience, <laughs> but they're hot springs. Yeah, I know. They don't quite do it the same. Um, and I really wish they would. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's one of the nice things that makes Japan unique still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes um, it, you know, if it was everywhere, it wouldn't be special. So it's good that yeah, it's exactly. not here. And, and you're starting, it's starting to become, get to the point where in New York, anyway, you have so many ramen shops and sushi shops and just so much, so many Japanese shops opening up everywhere. It's like, no, I don't, guess I don't have to go back to Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so you guys yep. have, sorry, I'm going to break us off into a tangent, but do you, you guys have pretty good ramen in New York? That's what I've heard. We do. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so it's jealous. expensive though. And um, I, I tend to avoid it just because um, I get stuck in this rut where I'm like, what? I can't pay $20 for a bowl of ramen. Yeah, yeah it's um, kind of like diner food. Yeah. Like the best diner um, food you'll ever have. But, you know, it's like 700 yen usually. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's um, you know, it's what you do after like a heavy night of drinking. And then you, you stop by your local ramen joint for a 600, 700 yen bowl of ramen to, to end the night. Yeah. Um, in Portland, we have Afuri, which is a Tokyo chain. And I think in Tokyo, they're like 700 yen. But in Portland, it's like $18. And yeah. the inside is the, the restaurant itself is really beautiful. Um, yeah. But it's just like I kind of just want a, like a little hole in the wall. 700 yen place hasn't really shown up yet. Ichidan just opened in Brooklyn. And this is a, a Japanese chain. Um May, where you uh you get like a little small booth to yourself and you uh you're you're supposed to be able to just enjoy your ramen without anyone judging how much you're slurping and making a mess mm -hmm. all over your face um and i think it's like 800 yen in tokyo but it's 18 bucks in brooklyn so oh, man i mean i'm i don't want to complain i know it's a function of real estate and all that stuff but i have training myself to enjoy the food yeah yeah and uh i mean as, as long as you've got it i mean it's uh it's better than not having it yeah exactly so so um, after mount takao uh we spent we spent a day there would, would you recommend like a whole day or, or would you recommend half day um i, I guess you couldn't stay overnight right there's no like camping um, there are a few lodges, um, out there, um, and you could definitely stay out there. Um, it'll probably be cheaper than staying up in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Um, but plan to spend a day in, uh, on Mount Takao, I think. Um, especially if you're going to do the 599 museum and then, you know, go up to the summit. Um, it's definitely a, a whole day trip. Okay. Um, sounds wonderful. Again, it's only... It's only an hour out of Tokyo, so you can easily, you know, zip out and be back to your Tokyo hotel um, by the evening. Um, but um, 
sort of uh, that sort of takes us to my my second um, place that I want to talk to you about. Um, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm ready to ready to go. I'm all relaxed from Mount Takao. So this next place is right in between uh, Mount Takao and Central Tokyo, um, and it's this western suburb um, called Musashi Kogane, um, the or Higashi Kogane. Um, and this is actually where I grew up. Um, I grew up on the next station, which is called Musashi Sakai. Um, but from any of these stations, um, you can get to this great park called Kogane Koen. Um, and in the center of Kogane Koen is the Edo Tokyo Open Air Architectural Museum. And it's this amazing sort of like time warp um, into old Japan where you have about 30 uh, restored Japanese buildings in like all different styles, all different eras. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to sort of look, you know, Tokyo is so modern and there's very few old buildings, um, but this is a great spot where you can see uh, so much in such a small little area. I think I've heard of this. Is this the same as the Edo Tokyo Museum? I, I've heard that name before, and it's it's kind of like uh, as uh, I guess um, it feels like you're going through Edo. Is is that the same or is that different? It, it might be. Um, maybe some people call it the Edo Tokyo Museum. Um, yeah, it, it might be the same same spot. Um, it's all it's all outdoors. Um, it's in the middle of this park. Oh, okay, um, I think this is different. The one I looked at was uh right i'd seen on online had like um i wouldn't say like i don't know if they're reproductions but it looked like you know an old edo tokyo street and it has uh like little um what's the word um like small models that you could look at too uh and it has history and things like that but if it's it's all indoors from what i saw so if this is open air i think this might be different yeah, no, I think it's I think it's different. I think the one you're talking about is in um, is in central Tokyo. Yeah, um, I think so. In Midaku, yeah. Okay, so this um, is the better one. This one, I'm sure. <laughs> they're both good. They're both good. But this one is um, I have uh, I I like this one because this is where I grew up. <laughs> um, yeah. This so is that sort makes of my, it better. This is yeah. The, this, this is Johnny Strategies' personal. This is Johnny backyard um yeah i would um i would go to this park um like almost every weekend um they have basketball hoops and um this really awesome sort of uh slope where you can uh sled down um it's like oiled up so you can uh, even if there's no snow you can sled down it um and uh and then right in the middle of the park they um they created this uh this little uh, outdoor architectural museum, um, and uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the cool things about it is if you're a Studio Ghibli fan, you're gonna find a lot of um, buildings from uh, the film Spirited Away. Uh, really? I believe, yeah, a lot of the uh, the animators went here um, to uh, you know sketch and um, used a lot of these buildings as references um for the film that's very uh, cool it's actually the the studio ghibli um 
the studio itself is actually pretty close nearby. Um, it's uh, it's right in between Musashi Kogane um, and Higashi Kogane stations. Um, and it's funny funny story. I actually uh, I went there with a friend once when I was in high school, um, and we we sort of just showed up unannounced. And uh, we walked in and we're like, hey, can we get a tour? <laughs> and, uh, and this was the studio? Guy, this wasn't the museum? This wasn't the museum. This is the actual studio where all the animation is done. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a really cool building. Um, it's like two or three stories high and it's covered in vines and moss. Um, and I, I discovered it because I... I bike to school on my bicycle and I passed by it one time. Um, so I knew it was there. I just never really had the, the balls to go inside. And one yeah. time my friend and we were just like, Hey, let's, let's just go. The worst they can do is kick us out. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we, we just went there and this guy came out and he was obviously very confused. We didn't have an appointment. Yeah. Um, it wasn't Miyazaki so yet who came he out. It was right? not Miyazaki. No. I don't know who he was. I, I don't even remember what he looked like, but um, he he went in, I think, to check with maybe his superior. He came back out and was like, sure, come on in. Um, so he gave us this tour of uh, Studio Ghibli. So that wow. was that was kind of cool. That's um, very cool. What do you know, like about what movie they might have been working on at that point? Oh, man, this was probably 19... It was probably around 2000 um, or okay. 2001. So it might so, have been like around Spirited uh, Away? It might have been around Spirited Away, yeah. Wow. Um, and then actually, so a funny, and then um, a couple years later, I saw um, a photograph online of the studio, and there was a big sign outside that said, um, all visitors must have a reservation. <laughs> and I looked at the sign and I was like, oh, that's totally my fault. Yeah. But you got to get in before anyone else tried it. Because if someone else tried it, then you'd go and be like, sorry, you have to have a reservation. Pretty sure after we did that, they were like, all right, never, we're never letting that happen again. Right. <laughs> that's good. So that's sorry, really guys. Cool. I ruined that for. For everyone well, but uh, they, they anyway. opened the museum they're like oh well we need a place for people to go we'll make this museum yeah yeah <laughs> um so back to this open air architectural museum it's uh it's split into three different sections um the center the west and the east and in the east um the east is kind of the coolest it's where you find you'll find um all these old retail facilities um and one of them is the uh Takei Sanshodo, it's like a stationary shop. Um, and if you remember the the scene from Spirited Away, the uh, Kamaji's boiler room with all the different drawers. Yeah, that's uh, so it, it looks like that inside. It looks exactly like that, oh um, except awesome. this stationary shop didn't sell, um, you know, whatever they had in there for the 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 medicinal baths they were making, yeah. um, but they sold calligraphy supplies. So all these different drawers um, had different brushes inside them. Um, and uh, it's kind of a cool place to go if uh, if you're a fan of that movie. 
Yeah. And um, you said these are all re- restored buildings? Or were these like original Edo period buildings that they fixed up? Are restored. Yeah, some of them are restored. Others um, were were built, um, you know, just in that same style. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, others were like relocated. So they, they tore it down, but kept all the materials and then built it back up in this in this museum right that's really neat so the, yeah the details are are really spectacular there it really feels like you're you time warped um back in like 100 years um 200 years back in time um in old old japan and uh definitely the, gotta uh, go uh, next time i'm there i've been to the kyoto egamura and seen like you know the the recreate like the the sets they use for samurai films and things but those aren't original they're made for made for tv right right yeah these were these are very um you know well and you can go inside some of them actually uh sell things um you've got uh like this old soy sauce shop that still sells soy sauce um so it's still functioning it's still like oh we were a soy sauce shop and we're still a soy sauce shop uh not exactly okay (laughs) Um, it's 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 the soy sauce shop but it's Obviously, it's different owners, um, and it's sort of made for this museum. Okay. Um, so they're they're selling new soy sauce, which I guess is good. They're not still stocking their old soy sauce. Yeah, um, that is good. And uh, there's this izakaya um, kagia, uh, this old uh, sort of like bar, pub type of place. Um, unfortunately, they don't sell drinks, but um, they have like their the old menus. Um, so you can see like how much it costs for a drink and uh, a little snack back in the day. It was probably like five yen or ten yen or something. But um, and then there's this Hanamichi Hanaichi flower shop um, that also sells flowers. So some of the some of the facilities do function, um, and some of them are just for display purposes. So, um, but it's it's not just like a, a straight up like, hey, here's a bunch of old buildings. Go in and yeah. imagine what was going on. They're actually selling flowers. They're actually there's actually an izakaya there. You can, you know, go yeah, there yeah. and eat and, and buy things. Yeah, and there's a uh, the izakaya in particular was um, it was actually a bar in Tokyo um, that was built in 1856 that uh, I think they tore down and then you know relocated it and rebuilt it back up in this museum. Um, wow, I'm so definitely that, going there next trip. Yeah, um, it's really awesome. And then another um, another really fun uh, building is the Kodakara bathhouse. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't function as a bathhouse, um, but it's this traditional sento. You know, the public um, the public baths baths that were all over Tokyo um, back in the day. I think now there's like only a handful left. Um, but you can go inside and see, uh, you know, these these public sento were known for their uh, murals of Mount Fuji. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I actually did a, an article about this on Spoon and Tamago, but there's um, only like two or three sento mural painters left in Japan. <laughs> really? So this was actually, yeah, this was actually a, a uh, you know, a real, a real job. And um what it was was uh, they were 
hired by advertising agencies to go into these bathhouses and paint um, advertisements for um, a local doctor or a, a comedy show or whatever it was. Um, and then as a free sort of add-on, a freebie, they would paint murals of Mount Fuji. Um, so the, the Mount Fuji murals were actually um, the freebie and they were getting paid to paint advertisements. So, so where were the advertisements? Like I, I've seen in bathhouses, like the the murals of Mount Fuji, and usually they're over the tubs and stuff. Were the was it was it like the comedy show or doctor advertisement like in the mural, or was that separate was, somewhere else? No, it was separate. It was like in the changing room, or it was oh, okay. you know the uh, on the wall where uh, you're uh, soaping up before you get in the bath. Okay, and and That's could where you? I'm sorry, I'm not now going deep into the the history of these these Mount Fuji, Mount Fuji mural painters, but uh, so they they would do that as a freebie. But then could they come back anytime and be like, oh, now I'm going to change it. The comedy show's over. The new comedy show's yeah, coming they, in. They would actually re you know paint these um, really frequently, um, which is why it was such a a huge industry, and there were so many of these um, painters because. Uh, they would come in and paint over the old advertisements, and um, I, I, like at least at least once a year they would repaint the Mount Fuji mural too. Wow. Um, yeah, and this. Uh, if you want to read about the, um, there's this guy. His name is Kyoto Maruyama, um, but he's the oldest um, of the the last three. Um, Something like he's like 83 years old, but he's um, he's still working and he's he's still painting Mount Fuji murals um, in some of these centos around Tokyo. That's really cool. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna check out the article. It's on Spoon and Tamago. We'll put it in the description in the show notes, and then uh, maybe I'll be able to find which murals he's painted and go to them before they yeah. they go away. We, we just did an up. article about yatai and how that's disappearing also. So there's a lot of these. Kind of older uh, uh, professions oh, yeah. that are going yeah. away, unfortunately. The um, the bathhouse was uh, actually also referenced in, in Spirited Away too. Um, obviously, it was um, you know where Chihiro goes is this huge uh, is this huge bathhouse for these these gods. Um, so if you look at uh, this Kodakara bathhouse um, in the museum, it kind of looks like um, some of the buildings that were we're in in spirited away and hopefully one day they'll they'll put water back in it so we can all bathe in Wouldn't the bathhouse that in no. that inspired spirited away yeah <laughs> yeah i'll keep my fingers uh, crossed someone will do that yeah, i'm sure someone must do that for sure um yeah and then uh one other um building well two other buildings that i want to highlight one is the uh the korekio Takahashi House, um, really, really fascinating story. He was the uh, this guy Takahashi. He was the Prime Minister of Japan in um, the early 1920s, uh, and he was credited with sort of pulling Japan out of uh, the depression. And even uh, Prime Minister Abe has said that um, he was an inspiration for Abenomics. But um, he was uh, assassinated in um, 1936 by the military. Um, and this, he was assassinated in his home and 
his his bedroom and his you can sort of go into this house and the bedroom and see where he was taken out wow um, and so that this house was relocated to this place this house was relocated yeah and it's it's located in the uh you know i mentioned there were three different sections this one's located in the center section of the architectural museum wow that's a pretty big deal that's like if someone i don't know like uh deconstructed ford's theater and rebuilt it somewhere yeah yeah exactly um hopefully uh abe doesn't meet the same fate as this guy <laughs> yeah hopefully not <laughs> and then hopefully abenomics also pulls japan out of its yeah current situation yeah but um that, that would uh that would be terrible if that happened and then they they heard our podcast and were like oh these guys are behind it yeah oh no they'll we'll cut this part out <laughs> jamal will cut it out i'm sure <laughs> um yeah but not so yeah, until abenomics a, works that has to happen first not yet not until exactly <laughs> um so yeah so plant plant has spent like a day um in this architectural museum um you could easily spend you know several hours just walking around it um without even seeing the rest of the park um and just getting a, a good sense of Japanese architecture and where it was a hundred years ago. And from from here, uh, where would you like to take us? So after you've seen old Japan, now uh, I would like to take you into central Tokyo um, for some great modern uh, architecture. Um, and one of my favorite places to walk around is the Marunouchi area. Um, this is, you know, right outside Tokyo Station, um, in between the Imperial Palace and Tokyo Station, that sort of area. Um, and when I tell people this, they're like, what? It's just office buildings. Um, but it's super clean and the sidewalks are really wide and, um, it's just, it just feels really good walking around, uh, that area and um, there's some fascinating history uh, behind it too. This this Marunouchi um, neighborhood, it was actually all water um, about uh, 150 years ago. Um, so you mean like the whole neighborhood was like a lake? It was it was ocean. It was um, oh wow. You know the ocean had was had come in was in all the way uh, yeah that far and they had to reclaim um all that land so that the uh the daimyo could build their um homes right near the uh the Edo castle maybe maybe uh, everyone already knows this and I don't but how do you take land away from the ocean you uh so what they had to do was they they just had to bring in um like you know mounds and mounds of of dirt and uh dump it into the uh the water um, and, and keep in mind, this was, you know, <laughs> before we had tractors and trucks. Yeah, I was um, going to ask when, what year <laughs> didn't they, and they just, they fought the ocean and won. <laughs> yeah, this was, um, this was probably, uh, several, probably about 200 years ago. Um, oh so Edo period, uh, was that the Edo period? End of Edo period? Uh, yeah, little um yeah. It was uh it was it was Edo period, a little before maybe. 
But, um, you know, there were all these, uh, and it, well, it was the Edo castle before it was the, uh, the Imperial palace. Um, and that's why everyone wanted all these wealthy daimyo wanted their, their big houses, um, right near, it was sort of like a status symbol. Um, you know, you were, you had these, and people competed for these, to build these large houses and, oh, he built, you know, his castles, I'm going to build my castle even bigger than his. Um, and uh, one of the reasons why that area was so easy to modernize was because you had these large plots of land that were that was owned by like one person um, rather than uh, it being cut up into all these smaller plots of land. Um, so it was really easy uh, when um, Japan was modernizing to come in and just build these huge, um, you know, huge buildings that occupy whole entire blocks. Because it was um, it was all just space owned by one person, so you didn't have to yeah. to go around like asking permission from a bunch of people. You're just oh, it's exactly. this guy, he owns it all. Yeah, exactly. And and if you want to get a sense of sort of what this land looked like before they built all these buildings, um, just walk over to Hibiya Koen. Um, Hibiya Park, which is, uh, and you'll 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 be able to tell that once you get in the park, it's sort of you you have to walk down steps, and it's it's the elevation is much lower, and there, there's this big lake um, at the bottom of the park, um, and that's kind of what that in, that entire neighborhood was like um, before it was reclaimed. Um, they didn't they didn't actually dig that lake. It was just <laughs> it was just like that um, in the first place. Wow. So that so the that's kind of a a result of them fighting the ocean. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I think the the palace moat too. I don't think they they dug that. I think it was um, originally, you know, like that deep, and then they sort of just built around it. And they were like, oh, we have a moat now." They they did a reverse <laughs> moat. They didn't dig it. Yeah. They just built all yeah. the land and left some sunken. Yeah, that's crazy. Exactly. That's um, that's probably I mean and that's maybe too recent to be ancient aliens maybe it's like recent modern alien Mo what era would that be Meiji era aliens Meiji era aliens yeah. yeah um yeah it's amazing how they accomplish this with no power tools um it must be aliens and, uh, then right must, must have been since aliens, they didn't yeah. have power tools must have been aliens yeah we have evidence of aliens um. So, and actually, uh, one of the uh, one of the coolest things about this area, unfortunately, is underground, and you can't see it. But um, if you walk along Tokyo Station, um, like along the side of it, there's these elevated uh, tracks, um, and basically, what they had to do to build these, um, because the land was so soft from all the water, they had to take um, these huge pine trees. Um, they brought in like 20,000 pine trees, you know, without the branches, they were just like, basically look like long pegs and they had to stick them into the ground, you know, and pound them into the ground and then build the, uh, the elevated train tracks and the arches, um, on top. Um, oh, yeah, so and, and this, this is all, this is all underground now. Now, yeah, it's all underground. It's sort of they had to create um, these foundations for everything they built there because the the land was so soft. 
So first they fought the ocean and created a bunch of land. Then they pegged, they hammered down gigantic pegs of pine trees to create a railroad on the land they created. On the land they fought the ocean against. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, do you know about how long all this take took like from, I guess, start to finish? I don't know. Knowing the Japanese, they probably did it in like a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're done. Yeah. And the other was that video. I think it was trending like maybe 2015 of a crew that like redid some subway tracks in in a night. Yeah. It was like overnight they closed yeah. they and just lifted a portion of the tracks um, and moved it underground. Yeah, that's um, what it was. All between the time the la- before the between the last train and the first train. Oh man! Well, maybe that maybe uh, that's how they fought the ocean. They were like, "Okay, sun's going down. We're gonna get this done before the yeah. sun comes up." No, I mean it's true. This this sort of um, this spirit of you know craftsmanship and diligent um, work goes back to uh, a long, long time ago. It's nothing new. Um, but um, yeah, it's kind of neat to uh, to have that perspective when you walk around uh, Tokyo Station. Yeah, and you can you can know something's there. And having like I was just there 2016 at the end of the year, and I, I didn't know any of this. I had no idea that this it all was ocean and that there were pine trees under my feet. Yep, that's really cool. <laughs> and um, yes, and uh, you can still see some of the old um, original. Uh, you know, elevated arches, um, and definitely walk along that, um, those elevated rails, um, because you're going to find like these old, um, bars and these old izakaya, um, all along the arches. And, you know, they built, I guess when they built the arches, they weren't envisioning them for, uh, what retail use, but, um, a lot of shop owners came along and, you know, built their shop right in these archways and uh, they're still there. So very cool place to walk around. So there's like bars and restaurants in, in these arches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that, that, so that's sort of old, you know, old Tokyo. Um, but a lot of, uh, a lot of Tokyo on the Maranochi side is, is super shiny Um and new, yeah, obviously Tokyo Station is, um, they just did like a huge um, remodeling of it to, to bring it back. They restored it and maybe, I don't know when they finished, um, but it was like a huge restoration project. Um, but Tokyo Station was designed by this guy named Kingo Tatsuno um, in 1914. And uh, he ended up doing a lot of buildings um, in the area, but um, it's, you know, built in this you know, red brick and white stone, sort of Victorian Gothic style, um, really beautiful. And uh, they did a great job restoring all the detail. Um, so uh, definitely spend some time, you know, admiring Tokyo Station. One of the best places to see it is actually in the uh, Japan post office, the Kitte building, which is uh, right across the street and you can um, go up onto their roof and look over uh, and see Tokyo Station. Wow. Yeah, I, I know there's uh, quite a few places I've read about that are, are like free views of the city from different public buildings. Yep. And that might be a topic for another podcast to list out be, all yeah, those. But yeah, 
that that's uh, that's a good one to know and then you can check out tokyo station from there and get out your dslr yeah. <laughs> if i wasn't such a terrible editor i would have written a post about it by now but uh shame on me for not or maybe it will be done by the time the podcast posts <laughs> this, or once um, it is done we'll link to it awesome i will uh I probably won't do it, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the Kite building is also really cool. Um, it was an old post office that the actual um, Japan Post uh, commissioned um, Kengokuma again. Um, He's just to, popping up all over the place. It is, it is, um, to turn into a uh, sort of like a mall. Um, it's like a, a little retail village um inside but uh the original building um was left intact um it was designed uh in 1931 by this architect named tetsuro yoshida um another also really interesting figure um because his, his father was a post office worker um and then uh tetsuro went on to design post offices um all over japan so it's it's kind of this weird uh father-son um relationship that's carried on wow um he was yeah, like, i'm doing like, this for you father all the post exactly. offices will be beautiful <laughs> just for you because you worked so hard delivering those letters so another really cool building to go check out if you're walking around this marunouchi area is the mitsubishi ichigokan museum um so it was the first office building that was built uh in this marunouchi region um, in 1894 um, by an architect named Josiah Condor. Uh, now, this is a name you're going to hear a lot if you're walking around uh, Tokyo Station and sort of studying the architecture, um, because he was a British architect um, and consultant that uh, was hired by the Japanese government to turn um, this whole area into sort of like a London-style business district. Um, so he... Uh, he built what is the first office building um, in the Marunouchi area and then also went on to mentor um, Kingo Tatsuno, who I just mentioned, um, who designed Tokyo Station. Um, oh, and by the way, Kingo Tatsuno also designed the Bank of Japan. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend going to see it because the coolest thing about it, you're not going to be able to see from the sidewalk. Um, you're going to have to check out Google Maps. It was designed um, to look like the kanji for yen. Um, really? Like from, from yes. the air? From the air, yeah. And you can actually go on Google Maps um, and find Bank of Japan, um, zoom in, and it's, <laughs> it's this, uh, it's right there. Yeah, it's the, uh, the character for, for I yen. I think I might do that right now <laughs> while we're talking because that's amazing. Are there a lot of like buildings like that in Japan that are shaped like kanji? Um, not shaped like kanji, but uh, <laughs> the reason I know this is because I did an article about Japanese buildings that are shaped um, like the things they sell. Mm -hmm. um, and the Bank of Japan uh, doesn't, you know, they don't really sell money, but they make it and they determine Japanese fiscal policy. So I guess it's appropriate. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Japanese are, the Japanese do like... Uh, you know, this type of, uh, <laughs> this type of architecture. And it, it goes back to, to 1896 when Kingo designed this Bank of Japan. Um, I, I don't know if he 
thought that we would have Google Earth in a uh, hundred twenty years or so. But, yeah. Um, I mean, what, certainly. So wait, what, what year was it? Was there? I guess there might be might have been balloon power by then. Uh, yeah, eighteen ninety six. Okay. Um, so I, I guess Definitely there was balloons. Yeah. Maybe he was, was a big fan of balloonists and wanted them to enjoy. Yeah, only balloonists can appreciate my yeah. architecture. Is that the right word for people who ride in balloons? <laughs> Balloonositors? I don't know. I And Balloon. Google Maps can't find Bank of Japan, by the way, at least not on my device. I'm typing in Bank oh, of okay. Japan, and I'm getting stuff oh. in New York. And, oh, well, there you know it is. What? Did you find it? No, you might have to... I got a currency museum. Oh, you might have to find the address for Bank of Japan on their website and then put that into Google Maps. Okay, I'm, I'll do that later then, so I won't be too right. distracted. I thought Google Maps would have my back if I just typed in Bank of Japan, but... They should. They I should. guess not. If Google <laughs> is listening, and Google is always listening, uh, please sure fix your maps, Google. Bank of Japan is not listed. Um, so once you've seen, uh, you know, sort of this, this cool, um, cool area of Marunouchi, um, one of the, one of the last things, um, you can do is you can cross over, um, to the Ginza side. Um, so this is on the other side of Tokyo station. It's probably like a 10 minute walk, um, from these buildings I was just talking about. Um, and here you're going to find, it's almost like a museum of, of modern architecture. Um, Chuodori is just packed with, you know, high-end, um, brands who have commissioned um some of the world's greatest architects to design buildings for them and i don't know it's one of the few i mean there's many places but this is one where you can walk 10 minutes and see 20 different um buildings designed by famous architects um some of my favorites are uh like the mikimoto building um by toyo ito uh, very another very, very famous uh, Japanese architect. And will, will um, you see these like right after exiting Ginza Station? Like if people are going straight to Ginza. Um, yeah, yeah, these are like right outside wow. Ginza Station, um, but also totally walkable from Tokyo Station as well. Um, and then there's the the Debiers Debiasu Ginza Building um, by Jun Mitsui. Um, you'll recognize it. It has this like beautiful curved facade um, that almost looks like something out of Dr. Seuss. Um, and then right behind it um, is the Okuno building, which is, uh, it's been around since 1932. So you have this really cool um, contrast of, of new and old. Um, but uh, it was, um, right now it's just a bunch of galleries, um, which is, might be also fun to see, but uh, it has this old manually operated elevator um, so that's also pretty, pretty neat to, to ride. Does it have an elevator yeah. operator or do you operate it manu manually yeah, by you yourself? Yourself. So you, you know, close the shutter and you turn your dial to, um, the floor you want to go to and you have to, uh, pay attention because you could pass right by your floor. Wow. That's pretty fun. I've never operated an elevator before. Yeah, it's a little scary if uh, you've never done it before. <laughs> um, yeah, so right after you get out of the Okuno building, um, you can head uh, head north for the Wako building, 
Um, so this is like an old, uh, um, it was an old, let's see, I think they sold uh, watches, um, but it was, it's an old building, um, 1932, designed by Jean Watanabe. Um, but right across the street from it is the uh, Ginza place, which is a brand new um, building uh, with a beautiful facade um, designed by uh, Tokyo-based Klein Dytham architects. Um, and it uses like 5,000 different, not different, but 5,000 aluminum panels. Um, and uh, it's, it's just really stunning. So uh, I would definitely go see that. You can go inside. Um, there's a balcony from uh, on the seventh floor, I think, that looks over Ginza. Um, and it was strategically uh, placed on the seventh floor because that's where um, sort of these uh, construction codes uh, limited the height of buildings um, back in the day. So you can go up to this, this, uh, this patio and look out and sort of imagine what uh, Ginza used to look like um, before it got all fancy schmancy. So, um, so there was a time when the buildings were a lot shorter than they are now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know what the exact height is, but this balcony on, uh, on Ginza Place was built right where that, uh, that regulation um, limit was. Um, yeah. I think Kyoto still has a regulation limit on buildings, right? To like keep okay. things traditional. Yeah. Zoning codes. Good. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then I would just uh, continue um, walking down. You're going to see buildings by um, Renzo Piano. You know, he did the Hermes building. Um, Kumiko Inui did the uh, Tasaki building. Um, Shigeruban did the Nicholas G. Hayek Center, um, also known as the Swatch building. Um, oh, and then, um, you know what, I'm going to end... I'm going to take you guys to Kabukiza, um, the Kabukiza Theater, um, which was, again, designed by Kengo Kuma. <laughs> wow. Do you, yeah. you think that, is, is Ginza then, like, the most diverse architecturally in all of Tokyo? I mean, it kind of sounds like it to me as far as, like, I, different I, architects, I, eras. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it is um, probably where you're going to see the most, yeah, the most diverse um styles and different architects in all of Tokyo. Um, I don't know of another place where you can, you know, walk 10, 15 minutes and see all these uh, great works of architecture. It's amazing. I, I need to go back to Ginza. I went there for the Sony building, which is being torn down uh, yeah. and replaced with a park. But I, I don't, I didn't know that much about architecture until just now when you have taught me all about it. And I want now. I really want to go back and be like, oh, I just was. I was right by all those buildings, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, Ginza is a, a great little um, place to walk around. In fact, um, it's called uh, Ginbura, Ginza Buddha Buddha. So it's shortened to Ginbura, and mm -hmm. sort of what people uh, use to say refer to um, their stroll through Ginza. So uh, yeah, next time you're there, definitely go for a Ginbura. Yeah, I, de I definitely will. I, I'd always had the impression because, you know, it's a it's a high kind of high end shopping and, you know, has Mikimoto pearls and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I can't buy pearls. Yeah. So I guess I, 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 I that was my first time in Ginza was last year because I was always like, oh, I can't buy pearls and expensive watches. So I'll go to a different place. 
I've never purchased anything um, on my many trips to Ginza, but yeah. um, definitely a lot to see. Yeah. So everyone go, even if you don't plan on buying pearls. Exactly. <laughs> so the the last place you wanted to take us was the was the oh, Kabuki yeah, Theater. Gonna, yeah, just finish at the uh, Kabukiza Theater, um, which is uh, you know there it's a it's a functioning um, theater where you can go check out a kabuki show. Um, and it's a really beautiful uh, building that's built in traditional Japanese style and um, sort of a cool place to end your day. That's do, you, do you know if uh, other kabuki theaters, have they been redesigned by famous architects or is this like the kabuki this theater is, to go to if you've got to go to one? Yeah, I would I would go to this one. I I know there are others. I'm not, actually not a huge kabuki fan. Um but uh, there's definitely others too. Um, but if you're if you're in Ginza, this is the the one to go to. Excellent. So we went all the way from Mount Takao, spent yeah. a day there, and then to uh, the park that which is your backyard, filled with backyard. re rebuilt Edo period buildings, and then yeah. of course to Ginza, where you don't have to buy pearls, but you can see. Oh wait, I skipped over Tokyo Station. Tokyo Station, yeah. Maronoichi. And then to Ginza. So could, yeah. could you do the, I know we did like one day at Mount Takao, one day in your backyard. Could you do like the Tokyo Station Ginza? Is that like a day, do you think? Um, you could spend a day walking around, definitely. Um, but you could also just do, it could also just be like half a day. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's probably doesn't have to be as long as some of the others. But, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot to see and experience and it's it's cool when you you sort of have that backdrop of uh history too yeah yeah that that definitely helps because there's a when you know those things it makes a lot of, it makes it all a lot more meaningful it does yeah. you can sort of imagine these giant pine trees being hammered into the ground as <laughs> you're walking on top of them and are, are there any like final uh just bullet point places that you would recommend um, you know, you just like any areas of Tokyo that you just think are, are amazing to go to. Um, let's see. Uh, I definitely like, um, Kichijoji because that's also my, uh, backyard. Um, and I like, that, uh, is that where the Ghibli museum is? Am I getting that mixed up no, no, with another place? Nearby, um, it's Mitaka, which is Mitaka. right next to Kichijoji. Yeah. Okay. Um, so also definitely, um, but but go from Kichijoji, you know, walk through uh, Inokashira Park. Um, don't don't take their. Uh, they have like a, a bus from Mitaka Station. Screw the bus. Do the uh, do the walk through uh, Inokashira Park. Um, yeah, that's the. You're talking about the Ghibli bus, right? The the very yeah. stressful one that like you, you run down to and you have to buy the ticket and hurry up before yep. you, they leave. And if you yep. don't get there, then you're going to miss your time. So many rules. Yeah. I yeah. like the Ghibli museum, but getting there was one of the most stressful times of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny because I, you know, growing up in Japan, um, my dad was this, uh, sorry, we're getting a little off topic here, but my dad is this, um, Jewish New Yorker grew up in the Bronx. Um, 
So he was very sort of anti-authority, um, hated rules, uh, hated being told what to do. Mm-hmm. So him and Japanese culture would just clash on, you know, nonstop. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, I was this like little white boy who just wanted to fit in. Um, so every time me and my dad went somewhere, I was just constantly praying that he doesn't make a scene. <laughs> just be like, dad, follow the rules. Come on, let's just, and then he couldn't speak Japanese. So when he would, when something would happen, you know, he would say, Jojo, that's what he called me. He would say, Jojo, come over and translate for me. And Mm -hmm. just be like, no, dad, please. (laughs) Be the middle man in this situation you don't want to be in. Express my anger. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, I'm sure you got lots of really good stories from that. I do. Yeah. Um, I, uh. Well, I'll, I'll I'll leave you with one. We were uh, okay. Good. That's what I was hoping for. Was one. <laughs> um, so we're at this uh, shiminpuru, this uh, this you know public swimming pool near our house, and uh, my dad burns quite easily, so he likes to wear his t-shirt um, while he's on the side of the pool, and uh, so he's just sitting there minding his own business, not even in the water, um, when a lifeguard comes up to him. Um, and remember, he's uh, he's sort of this like Larry David <laughs> character. Um, you can imagine that yeah. uh, in Tokyo. Uh, and this, so this lifeguard comes up to him and says, uh, you have to take your shirt off. So he stands up, uh, obviously not too happy about this. And uh, he says, why? And the lifeguard says, well, it's a rule. And uh, he gets started with, um, you know, why are why is this rule? made what's the point of it blah 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 eventually you know i'm watching this all from far away hoping he's not going to call me over right he does and he so i walk over he says jojo tell this man that this place is auschwitz and that i'm never coming back ever again (laughs) and uh so i'm i'm standing there like oh god how do i say this yeah when when suddenly a, a Japanese man who's been watching this whole scene unfold walks over, um, takes the lifeguard by the shoulder and sort of whispers something to him. And what? the lifeguard just walks away. What? And, what? and he, <laughs> he walks back to his chair, you know, and gets back to whatever he was reading. And that was the end of it. What? And to I, I want to know I'm, what he said. Happened? What did he say? Who was this guy? Was he like some local, you know, power? Yeah, was he like the the mayor or something? Yeah. And he's just like, it's okay. I don't know. Anyway, it was sort of really, really funny memory I have. Yeah, that's amazing. Anyway, I I was wondering. I was like, how? I wonder how you would say that in Japanese. How you would get yeah. get that across? <laughs> and how old were you when this happened? Oh God, I was probably. Um, Probably in fifth grade or sixth grade. Yeah. 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 yeah that's like the least self-conscious <laughs> years of life anyway, you know. Exactly. No big yeah. deal. All I wanted to do was dig a hole and bury myself in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's a, a lot of experience growing up anyway. It's <laughs> wanting to just hide in a hole. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on. Um, and thank you for all the, the great uh, recommendations for travel. Um, especially yeah, in terms of architecture. It was, fun, uh, it was fun talking about it. Yeah, and I'm sure that you have a lot 
lot more. So always please uh, feel free to come back and, and tell us more. And, and of course, I'm, I jotted all this stuff down for my own personal uh, use at some point. But hope, I, I hope listeners also uh, get some use out of it and check out some of these awesome places. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny. Everyone, have a great day or a great night, whatever time it is. And see you later. Thank you.